our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Something very jolly and unexpected happened in the park yesterday in the rain. What, you on your walk, your morning walk? You weren't going at a thousand miles an hour like you normally do, one of your speed walks, yeah. My power walking, my walk active. No, it was actually just through the park on the way to the station, but saw the most remarkable thing. Couple got this thing out of a bag on a lead, young trendy couple, sort of furry, beige, creamy fur thing. Thought that looks a bit like Margot. No, it was a ferret. <gasps> they, were, they were walking a ferret. In the park. And it just made me smile because it was so cute. I think we don't think of ferrets as particularly lovely creatures. Well, they're not. They're very, very bitey, aren't they? And vicious. Bitey. Bitey and scrap. Well, I've got one of those already. But it, lo- it cheered up my day. Can I just say, feel good moment. What about you? What would you like to walk in the park? <laughs> I'd quite like our dog to stay near us when we go walking in the park, frankly. Oh, yeah. That would be a start. We were away once in Sri Lanka and we were having a drink in the foyer of a hotel and a lady came in with her pet on a lead and guess what it was? Oh my goodness, not a crocodile. It was a porcupine. (laughs) Meryl. Meryl? It was enormous. I mean, it was really enormous and obviously the kids, they were like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing in the whole world. Oh my God. God. And I said to the barman, is that like a normal thing to do? And he said, oh, yeah, Meryl comes here once a week. She's a regular. (laughs) It was huge, Trish. So is Meryl the porcupine or Meryl the owner? Yes, Meryl the porcupine. (laughs) Who would look at a porcupine and think, do you know what, I'm going to call it Meryl? Did it have the collar around the neck or I couldn't have been wearing a harness like the little ferret? Yes, it's a very loose collar, but it was very, um, she was saying they're very friendly animals. They're very domesticated and just sat there nibbling a little bit of fruit quietly. Much nicer than a Welsh terrier, Trish. Didn't get into the nuts bowl then? No. No. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. And I'm Trish Halpin. If you're living in a hormonal hothouse, feeling a bit overwhelmed and in need of some positive, uplifting and comforting guidance on how to lead a more magnificent midlife, then this is the show for you. We chat to celebrities and experts on all things midlife, from menopause and perimenopause to parenting teens, via fashion, beauty, wellness, nutrition, fitness careers, relationships, caring for elderly relatives and your finances. Yes, we are experts and famous guests all the questions you need answered to have a happier, healthier and more harmonious second act. Well, after that ferrety start to the show today, we thought we'd continue on the feel-good theme because uh, we're going to be celebrating all the jolly and lovely stuff that makes us realise that there is actually so much good in the world and uh, give ourselves a little reminder that most people are rather fabulous human beings, in fact. And of course, I do 
count you as one of those fabulous human beings, Lorraine? Yes, Trish, I've been fabulous since uh, since I came here, July 1968. <laughs> yes, I've been being fabulous since then. Perhaps you would like to start proceedings then with something lovely that's happened to you this week. Not one of your celebrity encounters. I don't think uh, I'm ready yet for a name drop. Too early in the day. You can actually save that for when we announce our special guest. I can indeed. Now, I had a lovely evening this week. I went to the preview of Women in Revolt at the Tate, which is feminist art from 1970 to 1990. Now, obviously, you know there's going to be quite a few women in a room like that. But I walked into that room with a friend I've known since, oh my gosh, we've known each other longer than you and I have known each other, Trish. And the energy in the room was amazing because over 100 artists were involved, but a lot of them were there with their daughters and granddaughters. Oh, love it. It was generations of women talking about how collectively they'd found their voice and made their voice. And a lot of the art is is feminist collectives because that's how that era of art worked just saw all these women looking at each other going oh it's you and hugging each other and saying this is my daughter and the other one saying oh last time I saw her she was a baby it was just room after room of really lovely energy and I just thought women are amazing we are we are we (laughs) are amazing now tell us about your lovely little triumph this week because it made you a bit tearful didn't it Trish it did, actually. I, I had some very good news last week, because I, I think I mentioned before that I volunteer for an organisation called the Access Project, which is a tutoring organisation. And I tutor English to a GCSE student. Thank God it's not French. <laughs> exactly. Or singing. <laughs> I recently found out that my lovely Dennis, who I've been working with for two years, he got a grade nine in his English GCSE. It's his third language. I had a little cry about that <laughs> little moment. It was so sweet. We're a bit like um, Giles and Mary in Gogglebox, aren't yes. we? Actually, everything sets us off. Everything <laughs> sets us off. I'd be like um, handing you tissues saying, calm yourself, Nutty, calm yourself. <laughs> we might need a few more tissues today because there's some lovely stories on the Facebook group little sentimental stories. Um, We put out a call for acts of kindness and feel-good moments in the day, and the midlife gang really did deliver. I'm going to kick off with these two. Alice says, Yesterday I celebrated my first birthday without my mum, who died suddenly earlier in the year. My nine-year-old gifted me a selection of his most precious keepsakes, beautifully wrapped in homemade wrapping paper. Oh, sweet. Hang on, the tissues coming out (laughs) of my sleeve. So cute. And Emma tells us that she signed up to a befriending charity and she wrote, I now visit my 87-year-old friend Doreen on a Monday. Every week she asks who I am and why I've come to see her. That's like you and me, Trish, isn't it, when we're doing this recording? (laughs) Have you got your microphone on? Doreen has dementia and this week, for the first time, she remembered who I was and when I left, she said, bye, Emma. It was such a lovely moment for me. Oh, I love that, Doreen. Doreen and Emma, that's really good. Um, And here's another story, actually, from one of our Facebook group members. She posted that my 23-year-old daughter was feeling lost, homesick, couldn't get onto her chosen course because she was considered an international student and was frozen by indecision. While I jumped on a plane from Australia and found an Airbnb in Brighton so we could brainstorm and research her options. She applied, accepted, and is now on a one-year foundation course at a fine arts academy and is thriving. 
We aren't putting any expectations onto her choice just to go and enjoy each day, hopefully filling up her confidence and let's see what's what in June next year. Now, this is the kind of really sweet point of the story. She says, I chose Brighton as it was close to where my late dad used to live. And when uh, my daughter and her brother were little, he'd take them to the pier for a day out. On every visit, he would put a pound into the Zoltar fortune teller for each of them, then use the numbers to buy a lotto ticket. And unbeknownst to me, my daughter took herself off to the pier in search of Zolta. It was still there and was given the ticket. And the fortune slip told her to stop worrying about things you cannot control. Remember this. You are strong. You are caring. And you bring joy to all around you. Isn't that lovely? I mean, I know we look for meaning in things, but that really is meaningful to this lovely story. And it's on the Facebook group, you've got the ticket from the Zolta and it's like predicts what's going to happen. And it was brilliant. It's like a little connection with the granddad. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? Making those connections. That's a major life story, isn't it? Sometimes though, it's just sort of little things, isn't it, that put a smile on your face. We got a little note from Michelle who says her feel-good moment the other week was, when a patient told me my orange spotty top had cheered up her grey day. You can always rely on her. A ridiculous top. Look at my ridiculous top today, Trish. Yes, you've got little sheep. That's brightening up our day. So cheer up your grey day. Mm. Is it time for the name dropping yet or not? No, hold your horses, hold your sheep, hold your horses. Because uh, I just want to squeeze in one more act of kindness from Sonia who says, I left my wallet in a yellow cab when I arrived in New York City and the next passenger picked it up, found me on Facebook and offered to post it back to me in the UK at her expense. What a superstar See, even in New York, there are decent people. That's quite rare, that, actually, isn't it? I mean, I would do that, though. I would do that, though, because I'd know the other woman would be, wouldn't be worried about the money, would be worried about the sheer amount of phoning and sorting and organising that would follow losing your wallet. Yes, that's why I would do it. Yeah, the mayhem. Yes, exactly. Well, I think we will get more feel-good news from our special guest on the show today because we have actor Tamsin Althwaite. She's done something very special, actually, for the benefit of other midlife women who are less fortunate than herself and actually less fortunate than us. And we thought, good for you, Tamsin. Come on the show, spread the love, and we can find out how we can all help out. Yes, I can't wait to hear what she's been up to since we had her on the podcast in lockdown, didn't we? It seems like a very long time ago now. And then we heard all about her younger partner, Tom, and I believe they are still going very strong. So we hope we get an update on that, too. And after our chat with Tamsin in How to Win at Midlife, we're going to be tackling the topic of toxic workplaces and how to empower yourself in difficult situations. Because we're just hearing from so many women that they just can't put up with their jobs anymore in midlife. They're making them miserable. Um, So we've asked a really fantastic career coach to offer her helpful advice to see what can be done to make your working life better. And also where they're deciding to jump ship is actually the right thing to do or not for you are you going to jump ship trish are you leaving me (laughs) have you constructed a whole section of the podcast because it's too much (laughs) (laughs) dropping a big fat hint perhaps (laughs) no don't worry don't worry goodness no especially because we've just launched our mini magazine (laughs) yes Quite hard work, isn't it, Trish? We're a bit swamped. We've got a lot of work, but it's great. We love it. It's our magazine jeans coming out. So if you haven't signed up for postcards from Lorraine and Trish, not postcards from midlife, postcards from Lorraine and Trish, 
We are in the middle of writing issue two right now. And all you have to do is go to Substack, the website Substack, pop in postcards from Lorraine and Trish in the search and up will come and you can see the kind of stuff we're doing. And if you um, subscribe, it costs £5 for two newsletters each month, you'll get one in your inbox every other week. We had a great interview in issue one of the newsletter with a woman who ran away from home inspired by our Nina Stibby interview a few weeks ago. So this is a real life running away story. And I also shared how I uh, boost my energy each morning. I'm very perky, aren't I, Lorraine? Yes, no, but it's really helpful and really useful. And I'm very proud of it, actually, this little mini magazine, because the readers are telling us it's funny, it's uplifting and it's practical which is what our guest promises to be as well. So it's time to welcome Tamsin to the Postcards from Midlife Hot Seat. This week's guest is making a return visit to the Postcards from Midlife Hot Seat to talk about a new initiative to support women who find themselves overwhelmed by life's challenges. She's one of the UK's best-loved actors, whose telly and theatre career has spanned more than two decades. You may know her as Mel from EastEnders, or loved her in Red Caps and New Tricks, or you might have seen her on stage in Chekhov's The Seagull, or the musical Sweet Charity. But we also now know 52-year-old mum of two Tamsin as a campaigning voice to help women navigate life's more difficult moments. Last year, Tamsin took part in BBC One's reality show, Freeze the Fear, with ice water guru and breathing expert Wim Hof. And what she learnt prompted Tamsin to go on a journey of self-discovery, which took her to a retreat for trauma healing. She says she had an awakening on the trip as she came to terms with the emotions around the end of her first marriage, the loss of her beloved mum Anna, aged 67, and the miscarriages she had previously suffered. It has taken me many years to start loving myself and giving myself the energy I deserve, she says. Her retreat experience was life-changing, so she decided to set up We Free Women, a non-profit organisation that offers free well-being retreats and experiences for women who really, really need a break but can't afford it. Tamsin is here to share what she's learnt in the past two years and to explain how we can all support this unique new project. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Tamsin. Thank you. It's lovely to see you. Well, firstly, we want to say thank you because you've shared your personal story over the last couple of years. And I think that's been really helpful for other midlife women when you talk about your menopause and everything you've been through and all the situations. So that thank you for that. So I think we should start by telling our listeners about your journey, as they say. Um, I watched you on Freeze the Fear. I mean, I can't believe the things you did there. It was extraordinary. But you said after the show that something had shifted in you. Your mindset had changed. So tell us what happened inside and what you learned about yourselves and how that could be helpful to our listeners. Firstly, the whole thing of Freeze the Fear is I hate the cold, really hate the cold. So me going and just being in a cold place was enough. And then I suppose the little small baby steps of, oh, I'm going to get in the ice. Oh, I'm going to go under the ice. Oh, I'm going to jump off the bridge. Those steps led me to a place that made me feel like, gosh, I don't push myself in life. I keep myself really in a comfort zone and I'm really happy in that comfort zone. And at first I didn't want to do all those things, but I suppose the shift was basically me realising that I don't go anywhere near my full potential as a human being. I don't mean I need to be challenged every day by ridiculous things like we were, but I think 
more than anything, the biggest shift happened because no one was allowed a phone for three weeks. Wow. And that allows you as a human being to evolve naturally with conversations, with situations, without picking up this and going, I've just got to check on the kids. So you never cut off. You're in the moment. You're always in the moment. And I think it was a massive eye-opener that actually once you lose the shackles of your phone, you're so much more open to all these possibilities. And not being able to go back and, and phone and say, oh, I didn't do the bridge today. Oh, don't worry, mum, it's all right. There was none of that. So there was no point of contact of checking in. The only thing you could check in with was your own heart and your own mind. So I think, although I say it's the challenges, when I look back, I think the shift happened because for three weeks there was no check-in of anything like that. And I think that's massive. I really do. Because now every single conversation you're in with eight, seven other people in a tent, you're having that conversation wholeheartedly and then other people are interjecting and you become part of something that feels so wholesome and natural because no one's picking their phone up. So that experience, Tamsin, it, it sort of you know triggered something for you, set you in motion. In the beginning of this year, you continued your healing or self-care, as you're calling it, at a retreat in Italy. We were quite fascinated this because you sat yes. alone, didn't you, with a shaman for trauma yeah. healing. So yeah. how, first of all, how did you go about thinking, what kind of retreat do I need now? Tell us what, um, why you chose that kind of retreat and what trauma healing is and how it affected yes. you. So basically, I now, when I go on a retreat, it's very important for me to go off on my own as often as I can. But I, I don't want to take the mick and push it too much because I do still have kids. But... I've been going with healing holidays. They are basically, they were the first port of call that I went to and said, okay, I need a yoga retreat or I need this kind of a retreat. And healing holidays have this thing where they go through everything and they say, where do you want to be? What kind of temperature? What? So you can tailor make it so it's actually a holiday. I've been on holiday with them in a family holiday, but where there was yoga there too. So I always use them. But what I love, is that you can choose between, you know, do you just want to do exercise? I've done loads of retreats. I used to go on the body camp all the time. And the body camps really helped me to reframe things and make things more positive. So you, you can't, you know, they don't allow you to say I'm shattered or I'm starving. You say I'm ready to refuel or, you know, I'm ready for a rest. So you reframe everything, the way you talk to yourself, the way you talk to other people, which means that what you're putting out into the universe and to yourself is much more positive. And so I already kind of knew that just going on a holiday and laying by a pool with a cocktail wasn't really doing it for me. I know that sounds ungrateful, but I, it was more that my holidays needed to have a bit more purpose. And to try and keep everybody happy on a family holiday is quite tricky. But if I can find a bit of yoga or an esteem room, and, you know, then I can find it and, and this stuff for the kids. But when I go on my own, it's completely and utterly tailor-made to you. So the first time, I mean, I've been to lots of different ones, but I went to one in Greece that was wonderful called Euphoria. And that was more kind of spa-y. And I decided to go to Pradlehof because Pradlehof is in the Dolomites. And that's where I was for Free the Fear. And I keep being drawn back to Italy, whether it's because my mum was Italian and she's not around anymore. or I just kept feeling this pull towards Italy. So I chose Pradlehof and I went in with this shame and it was one of the things on my schedule that they'd set up for me. So you put down what your needs are 
and then they tell you what what to do really and so I went into this not knowing what kind of trauma healing or I've done Reiki before and I thought it might be like that and I went in and it was um I laid down and I was shattered I'd done some exercise and I'd been in a steam room and I was shattered I was ready to rest and I think it was about two or three o'clock in the afternoon I laid down and he held his hands over my womb and I think there's a lot of unfinished business there. He basically, what felt like, just held them and an hour later I kind of woke up and said, I'm sorry that I fell asleep. And he said, you weren't asleep. He said, for the whole time you were shaking, just doing this. And I thought, wow. And anyway, when I left, I felt like I was floating and he said, when you go back to your room, he said, just don't pick up your phone don't do anything, just relax and try and keep your everything clear. And, you know, I had a view from the balcony of the Dolomites. And so it wasn't difficult to just stare into space. And I think it did feel like a massive shift and I felt so clear. And I thought, wow, that was really, because you get stuck, don't you, sometimes on repeat of something that's hurt you or something that's damaged or something. And, and I think to clear it out somehow, it's wonderful. And I think I just wanted to say thank you. And that night I did pick my phone up and it was a few hours later and I said thank you to the place. And I, can, I mean, on Instagram, I've just seen like we free women. When you look at it, you see it being born live on Instagram because all the basically I said, I've just had this. I've done this. I've done this. It's wonderful. And I wanted to thank the place. I said thank you to Healing Holidays. Thank you to Pray Love. And all these people just came on saying, I need this. What do you think would have happened then if you hadn't done that? How would you have stayed? Because you, you've had three or four really tough years. I mean, yeah. you lost your mum. You'd talked in the past about miscarriages and you had divorce. You've been through quite a lot. If you hadn't done it, do you think it would have been blocked? What happens to that? I'm fascinated by trauma healing. Yeah, I am. I mean, it's not something that feels like, oh, all of your pain's resolved. I don't actually look at at those difficult years and think, oh God, they were difficult years. It's when other people say to you, God, you've been through a tough time. Then you think, oh gosh, have I? But I think I always use those as years that are kind of possibilities for rebirth. Because what happens is you can choose to wallow in that pain or, or to wallow in the misery, or you can choose to turn it around and somehow go, what can I learn from it? How can I move forward? How can I get out of this stuck state of whether it's heartbreak or whether it's pain or whether it's baby loss or whether it's grief, you know, from death or whatever it is, to turn that around somehow is the key, I think. And blocking it away, you know, I, you, we can do that. We can only do it for so long, sweeping it under carpets, sweeping it under carpets. So I think that what happened when I saw all the response to that, I thought, why is it that only women that have got the money to go to a retreat can learn how to do this? Because actually, an awful lot of the self-care journey or the healing journey or whatever it is, the awakening that I feel, a lot of the practices are free. They're completely free. But other women don't necessarily know about the power of the cold that I found out through Freeze the Fear or the power of nature or meditation or breath work or yoga or Pilates. And all of those things, if you learn them or if you teach other people the tools to practice them, are free. You came back and you thought, I'm going to share this with women who can't afford to do this kind of thing or don't know about it. So you set up We Free Women. Do you want to explain how it works and exactly what it is to everybody? 
So it's basically, it's a non-profit initiative that is aimed at people that are struggling, women that are struggling. And it's mainly to do with the fact that the menopause has got massive, massive hand in this. We as women at the pillars of community, I think, and at the forefront of a lot of families are always juggling, juggling other people's needs, juggling everyone else's stuff. And us in the middle, a lot of the time, a sandwich generation, we're looking after kids at the same time as parents because we all had our kids a bit later and women are meant to have it all. And we juggle our careers and our homes and our kids and all in varying degrees of class and, you know, what funds we have available to us. I think you hit the menopause and generally think, oh, my gosh, I can't even spin my own plate. I can't keep this plate going. Never mind you lot. Everything becomes overwhelming. Kate Thornton said something funny to me the other day. Like when you're when you feel like you're drowning in the menopause, two emails is too overwhelming to do. And there was emails and school admin and kids stuff and to run that and your home and your parents and your siblings. And I don't know. It's just it all comes on top. And I think women then just go, it's fight or flight. And I think women go, oh. I can't do it all. And they drop out of the workplace. Yes. Yeah. And that's really a massive thing. They start to lose confidence in themselves and they feel like they're drowning. And basically, We Free Women was set up from a place of experience where people were coming to me saying, that's exactly what I need, but I just don't have the money. So you, you pulled a group of experts together, didn't you? And yeah. offered free places. And they were formed. Yeah. And they were formed literally from that Instagram post that I then continued on. So I stopped my own kind of self-care, six-night accommodation and lovely food. And I just kind of thought, I haven't got time for yoga now. I've just got to email these people back. But it felt like we were starting something. It was so needed. And so the people that were coming forward saying, listen, here's my CV, I project manage, or I'm a yoga teacher, or I do Reiki, or I do PR, let me help. And all of them, my five co-founders now they are, They all are volunteers. No one's paid. And they're still working all the hours God sends, as well as their jobs. And I think what we realised is the actual ripple effect when we did our first retreat in the Cotswolds, the ripple effect of what happened to those women that's gone into their lives, that they now are on a a group WhatsApp and they still email and say, and their testimonials are like, you know, basically they've found a space for themselves in their lives that comes first, not every day, but they can find that space. They know what to do. They know that a walk in nature, it will do them the world of good, much more than a glass of wine. And so it's flipping things so that these people can make themselves a priority. And they say that it's changed their lives in the way that they're better mothers, they're better daughters, they're better friends. They feel like they can pass on whatever knowledge. How, how do you pick the women? How do you, how would one get a place? So the first lot were all literally picked from Instagram. They were then vetted. We then had a mental health nurse come on board just to make sure that we were, you know, not triggering stuff or whatever. And it isn't, it's not a therapy session. It's finding space, giving yourself a break. And as we said, taking a breath sometimes for the first time in ages. So we picked the women there. Now what it is, is we have a full website, wefreewomen.org. They go onto the website and you can nominate a friend that you think really needs it. 
an awful lot of people that, you know, were working, caring for other people in the NHS, single mums that were juggling so much, children that weren't well, people that had survived cancer and then were in a stage of like, where now? What do I do now? Now I need to continue this self-care. And really, it's just about teaching them the tools so that they can take them into their lives. So we've done three residential retreats and two day retreats. And you'll spread this, I guess, across the country as more people come. Yeah, we're hoping to. I mean, obviously, we need funds and we are raising funds and we're doing a fundraiser very soon. But we we, want to find sponsors that want to actually be part of it, I suppose. How, How would someone who wanted to sponsor you or be part of it contact you? Go onto the website. There are buttons to push to donate people, to donate cash, to become a sponsor, to become a practitioner. I mean, we've had men saying, can you do one for men? But I know somebody, James, that does one called Unguarded Warrior, and he does that for men. I think the element of it being fully funded is completely rare, because as we know, the NHS are overridden with everything, and they can't look after people with mental health issues as well. It doesn't even have to be mental health. It's generally people that, like I said, haven't really taken time for themselves. And I think when you, I know for a fact that the minute I started looking after me, I was a much better mum and I was a much better partner. I was a much better human. And it doesn't end. You're trying to be a better human or a better version of yourself the whole time. But at least now I know what keeps me grounded and balanced and how to do it. When you're in any group of women, I find that you always learn something, right? You learn something about yourself. You learn something about their story that you think, gosh, I never realised that before. Is there anybody that, I mean, obviously anonymously, any stories that you feel like, goodness, that was quite amazing that had an impact on you? Do you know, I'm finding out all the time. Yesterday, well, five, four girlfriends came to see me in Noises Off. And we had just had a chat afterwards. And I learned so much about one of the girls that I didn't know as well as the others. And she told me so much. I just thought, oh my gosh, I didn't know any of that. Didn't know any of that about you. And I think... When we're open, when our hearts are open and when we feel supported enough to be able to talk about stuff, I think you learn an awful lot. I mean, my kids recently, I've definitely noticed that they have a different respect for me since they came and saw the play because they realise now what I'm juggling. I'm not just this chaotic mum who isn't always on top of exactly what they're eating every day. That They think that I'm really disorganised and I think, They know I'm looking after and juggling a lot of ventures and stuff, life and business. And they came to see the play eight times a week. You know, we're doing it. And they came to see it and I could just see a newfound respect of like, oh, you're doing that eight times a week. You're remembering (laughs) all of that and doing that eight times a week. And you're still coming home and you're still remembering to call my teacher or do, you know, and they, I know that they must think, I know you can't come to the parents evening. Because it's a full 12 weeks of not really being around. But I think you learn stuff all the time about people really close to you that you didn't know. There's so many inspiring stories around me in my group of friends, in some of the women that have come on the retreats. And some of them came at the beginning and you thought, oh, gosh, and they left four days later different people. And when you come back from something like that, when you go through something big, so you're with the lovely Tom who's, uh, we talked about Tom last time, didn't we? He's, he was really refreshing. He's 20 years younger than you. You've met in this lovely way. And 
you're on this journey now. You're on this kind of self-discovery journey. How does a partner or what advice have you got? Because a lot of women will come back (laughs) from these trips, different people, and that might be tricky for partners. How did Tom cope? (laughs) Well, I'm sure some women come back from the retreats thinking, you know, my marriage needs to change or go. Shirley Valentine exists for a reason. That's what I think, because I think she hit the menopause and went, I'm not making egg and chips anymore. I'm going to Greece. And I really do believe that the education that rather than shutting men out, the education that we can share does really help. I've just learned how to do it in a much gentler way rather than I'm menopausal. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's very, very open. And he's also really into wellness and self-care, which does help because he knows if I get stuck, and I don't want to get out of bed, which happens sometimes. He goes, come on, walk, dog walk, let's go. Yeah. And so he knows that whether it's raining or not, that the outdoor breathing in, looking up and being around nature helps me always. I mean, I would live in a forest with bare feet if I could. That's like Trish. She likes that. She does a bit of forest bathing every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> bit of forest bathing. They love it. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Have to me be in too. the room. Totally get that. Yeah. But I live in London, so it's a bit... You have to make the effort, don't you? You have to drive out and do it. Of course you do. It really makes a massive difference. I've noticed it without a doubt when I have been... Because it reminds me to breathe. When you say breathe, breathe means so many things. But one of the things when Tom and I first met, he would see me, you know, in my either excitable or anxious way, you know, that people always think I've got ADHD and... It's that kind of, oh, I wouldn't know, I've never been tested, but it's that energy. And he would see me and he would just go, breathe, breathe. And it's like, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. And so to have someone reminding you to breathe a lot in many ways on many levels is, is a real godsend. So how has your routine changed then? Because you, I, mean, I guess you're still doing the cold showers and things like that. And you did talk on your Instagram about uh, stopping drinking for a bit. I don't know whether you're still doing that. So talk, talk us through your routine and what has helped you that our listeners might benefit from your experience, I guess. One thing I would say is I never have managed a routine of anything. My main routine is at the moment I do eight shows a week and I thought I would go, oh, so I'll be able to do yoga every morning uh, after the school run. No, because I'm absolutely exhausted. So I've realised I've just got to go with the flow. My The general routine is I'm trying to flow like water and I've always stood by that. When your body's feeling exhausted, don't push it, listen to it. But I did give up drinking last year for six months and yeah, I felt a lot better. I lost weight because mainly because you're never craving the stodge the next day. And I felt better. I looked better. I was clear. And when the new year started, I thought every now and then I'll have a little drink. And I do still, I'll give it a good go. I'll try. I think my <laughs> mates are in. They came, I, some friends came to see the play and I took them out. We, well, I didn't take them out. We all went out afterwards. And I realised that after two glasses of wine, I need to lie down. I'm not great anymore. I'm not that girl. So it's a good lesson and it's good to every now and then have a try again. But I do know the past two, I'm just not really there. So I've learned my limitations and I don't really veer off them that often. And when I do, 
it's messy. So I'm quite alcohol free at the moment. Are you cold showering and all of that? Yeah. And so I always cold shower at the end of a hot, but I'm very obsessed at the moment by saunering and then cold showering, walking, breath work. I do if I can't, if I don't have time to meditate, I can always find time for box breath, which I do just, which is in for four, hold it for four, out for four, hold it for four. Even if I do that for five to 10 minutes, I know it grounds me. Anyone can do that. That's easy. And then hot yoga was always my thing and Pilates. But since I've started this job, and to be fair, at the end of the show, I take off my costume and it's soaking wet. So I think I'm doing my exercise within my job, which is a godsend. Can I ask you about the job? Because, I mean, I love theatre. I love going to watch live performances. But one thing, I'm always stunned, the intensity for you actors on the stage, and especially when you're doing a Wednesday matinee and a Wednesday evening. And a, I mean, are you? is the adrenaline going crazy? How do you build up to it? How do you unwind from it? What's going on for you? I think it depends on the production of what's, what you're doing. The last time I did theatre, it was a Chekhov piece. And I believe sometimes the universe sends you what you're meant to have. And right now, a fast within a fast where you hear people laughing for that amount of time is like medicine. It's like daily medicine. And to be fair, however you're feeling, you go into that theatre and I love the cast. They're wonderful. And someone is always there to make you laugh. And if, you, if, it, if you're not feeling it on stage, you can't help but feel joyful when you're in this masterpiece of a comedy. And Felicity Kendall is in it, isn't she, with you? Yeah. That's amazing. So it's Michael Frayn's Noises Off, if anyone doesn't know. It's at the Haymarket, isn't it? It sounds fantastic. What's she like? She's amazing. And she's in her 70s, late 70s. She wouldn't mind me saying that. And she has never had a show off. She's literally like a machine. She never drops lines. She's absolutely hilarious. She's lovely. And I think, well, if you can do that, I've got no excuse. Because I'm in my 50s and I would love to be able to do that in my 70s. I mean, a lot of the, the other cast members are older as well. Some of them are much younger. I'm somewhere in the middle. And you look around you and think, wow, it's really something because it's, it's a, like a dance. It's choreography. It's doors and choreography and timing. And to be honest, James Fleet is in it too. Matt Horn is in it. And it's the most wonderful cast. Everyone's so brilliant. And... It's medicine. To see people in the audience really laughing and to hear that, you just think, gosh, it feels like that's what people need at the minute. And how do you feel about the ageing process now? Because when we talked a little bit last time you came on, but it's harder, I think, for female actors, isn't it, than uh, men? How do, what's, what's your mindset around that? My mindset is the people that really inspire me seem to me to be the people that are ageing quite naturally and talking about it and it gives me a massive boost when you see people saying things like quotes from people saying you know I'm not 25 Cindy Crawford said it the other day I'm not 25 why am I trying to look 25 you know I'm happy that I'm alive and I think when you look at people like Judy Dench still working still I think it's people that still have a purpose or feel like they have a purpose that don't fall out of the workplace necessarily because of the menopause and they're still going. And I think there is a newfound respect for women of a certain age that's happening. And it's mainly because people are talking about the menopause. And once people get through the menopause stage, it feels like they look like, well, it feels to me like 
they're blooming again. It's like a rebirth, isn't it? Do you feel like you've been reborn? Yeah, yeah, I feel better than I've ever felt. I mean, it was really bad going through it. Yeah. I guess before we let you go, well, what advice have you got for women in their early 40s heading, because we don't want to frighten younger women, heading into this now. What have you learned through this journey that you've had? My friends did tell me to get on HRT before I got the rage and I never really got the rage. My kids said I got a bit snappy at one point, but I'm definitely past that. HRT, I mean, it takes me 20 minutes in the morning to take all the supplements that I take, the mushrooms <laughs> and the seaweed. And, you know, I, I am a big believer in just taking collagen and doing as much as possible. For people that think I'm not spending that money on supplements, I think ice cold water, ice cold showers and saunas are really important. If you can't sauna, I think cold is free. On the other side of that scary bit of the menopause, it is so empowering and it's so empowering to be around other women that are also empowered that just hold tight, you do get through it. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever felt this kind of at peace and I think that's important. It's the peace. We're all looking for peace, peace of mind. And when you find peace of mind, it's really refreshing and enlightening. It's lovely. And can we ask you, as we're heading into Christmas, are there plans afoot in the Althwaite household? What's your Chris, what does your Christmas look like? There are. The Althwaite household are all going to be together with my dad, brothers, and it's going to be a real family one this year. Um, we've been dispersed some years, and this year we're together. So where, we don't know, but we're all going to be together. Brilliant. Thank you, Tamsin. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing. Thank you. It's so nice to talk to you. So nice to talk to people that also feel reborn. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's how to win at midlife, our useful and practical part of the show where we get experts involved to share their thoughts and advice. And this week, we're going to be talking about something that's making a lot of women not feel good. And we're going to be trying to help rectify that. Yes, we're going to chat about careers in the workplace because it seems from the statistics we've seen and from what we're hearing within our community, many of you are not happy in your jobs anymore. These jobs are making you miserable, stressed, anxious, unfulfilled, frustrated, and you're really not feeling valued. But we are living longer, aren't we? So uh, we've got to keep earning money and see us through to our old age in the style we've become accustomed. I mean, I'm not going to give up my hobnobs anytime soon, so I've got to keep working, Trish. Keep paying into that pension for the hobnobs, yes. But I suppose the question really is, what are the options? Well, it seems that some of you are quite happy, actually, to jack in the careers that you've spent decades building to retrain and start something completely new, which is exciting. 
Others are starting up their own businesses and ventures, and some are, uh, want to make the change and are exploring where to begin. They might not know it yet. However, the reality is that for a lot of others, a new start is just not an option, is it? You have to stick it out, whether you like it or not, due to your financial commitments or other personal circumstances. And that can be a really tricky thing to do. So how do you know that you can make it through and bear to stay? Or how do you know that the right decision is actually to go? And I've been talking to career coach Jill Whitty-Collins, who is the author of a really great career book, touches on some of this, but is slightly different. It's called Why Men Win at Work. And she had some really good advice. Yes, we love Jill, don't we? We've known her for years, actually, because she had a massive job at Procter & Gamble, but she left to become a consultant and career coach, and she's very good at it. So we thought she would be the right person to ask because there's nothing worse than spending your time outside of work fretting about what's going on inside of work. It can really affect you, can't it, mentally and physically, and it can lead to all sorts of terrible feelings. Yes, I'm going to list some of them. Dread, hopelessness, feelings of being trapped, fearful, paranoid, tense angry and impatient, that thing where you're, you know, you come home and you bring it all home to your family. So you might experience physical symptoms like muscle tension, fatigue, panic attacks, and then of course, burnout. Well, burnout's the big Gen X thing, isn't it? Um, Lovely little horrific picture you painted there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is true for many people. You know, for many, it's just a terrible niggle as well. And they want to solve the problem, but you just don't know where to start because there's a lot at stake as you get older. So why don't you start by telling us, bring us up and happy, offer us a way through, shine the light down the path, Trish. What did Jill have to say? Well, she started by saying it's worth thinking about how you've got to this place and why you are feeling like this about your career now. And of course, even before midlife and our menopausal year, you know, for women to be successful, we've had to work really, really hard to do this because there are so many invisible and unconscious forces in the workplace that favour men. We know all the top roles, most of the like 80-90% of roles and companies are occupied by, by men. So wherever you've got to has already been a huge achievement and most likely really hard work. And then if you add to that what Jill calls the time gap, you know, the home family partner, of course, up to 80% of the unpaid work is being done by women. So you've had to build your career with that going on as well. So by the time you get to your midlife years, menopausal maybe, the symptoms, she uses the image of a vase and imagine that the vase is already full by the time you've got here at this point in your career. Then add in menopause, other midlife changes, and it's no wonder that it all starts to brim over and go a bit wrong. And it makes you very angry speaking from personal experience. (laughs) Um, It's a sort of downward spiral and that's kind of where it starts. One thing piles on top of each other. You can't sleep, so you become more anxious. You you might be prone to depression at that point. Then you get menopause and that can affect your performance because we know brain fog is really hard to deal with, um, especially when you can't remember what you're doing, where you're supposed to be. And I think it also affects your confidence. It leads to a crisis of confidence. And women who've reached senior positions When you hit that level in any business, you're in a predominantly male culture. I mean, we found that, Trish, you would think working in magazines, which is for women, by women, above us, almost 80% men all the time. So you get higher up, there are more men to deal with. Yeah, and the culture shifts, doesn't it? So where you may have found comfort and understanding before, it's hard to find potentially in these situations and your confidence can really take a hit and Jill says that she sees this time and time again in her work 
people are judged on their confidence quite often rather than their competence. Um, so she calls it the confidence versus competence equation because you don't see competence necessarily, but you really do see confidence. And men are just, of course, very good at that. And if your confidence has taken a hit and you're not displaying it, it's going to affect all sorts of dynamics. Yeah, I think so, isn't it? Because I, I remember employing a woman who would often apologise at great length about how busy she was at home, so could I bear with her? And set me up to expect a quite disappointing thing. But actually, when her work came in, I think, how this is amazing, <laughs> given all the stuff she's got at home. I mean, I kind of think that's the point, isn't it? Where women can think something has to give. So you might set yourself in that position and think, well, it's either my career or my home or my health. You, you think you're making that choice uh, or you're going to burn out. So walking away is often a self-protection choice. You're not giving up a career. You're giving up the culture that's not working for you. So you're going off to do something else. And that's either something by yourself or finding a place that does understand and cater for you. These are all the things you've got to take into account, aren't they? Uh, your talent's still out in the world, but you might be taking it in a different direction if you choose to make the big move. Jill says that uh, what you really need to focus on is yourself um, in this situation and remind yourself that you have a strong and confident core. It's all about your confident core. So no matter how much everything around you is trying to shake your foundations or you're feeling really bruised on the outside, that core is still there because it doesn't go away. Otherwise, you wouldn't have got this far in life and, and where you are. Um, and this is an exercise that she does with her clients. She uses the Gallup strength test. You can actually Google that. If you just uh, Google gallup.com, you can have a look at it. There's a strength test that identifies 34 strengths and everyone has a top 10 and a bottom five. And what you get to just reacquaint yourself with and understand is that you own this very unique, particular combination of strengths. I mean, I think apparently it's one in 90 million, the, the way the combinations work. We're no good at maths. We could never verify that. Um, so what you have to think is like, these are my strengths. This is what I would do really, really well. Let other people do the rest. And I'm going to focus on uh, what I do. And she, if you if you did it with a coach, and I mean, we've both had career coaching at various points in our careers. It's an investment of time. Um, this session with Jill takes about two hours and money. It's about £300, but I suppose it's worth thinking about it. Is it a long-term investment and your return on investment? And she spends about um, 40 minutes, you do the test, and then you have an hour and 20 minutes of coaching around the results. Uh, which is really good. So if we were just going to sum up the advice, it is take control before it takes control of you. If you are feeling like everything's yeah. going in the wrong direction, what can you do at this point? Show up with real confidence, not fake confidence, because people can see that and hear that in your voice. And acknowledge it's happening. This is real. What you're feeling is real. You're not imagining it. It's not just you. And um if the culture isn't right for you, maybe you should act before the push because if you are wobbly, you've got low confidence, you'll feel it, but they will see it. So maybe it is a time to reassess. And just think about once you've done your strength test, what kind of culture can I be in and can I do it where I am? Because you might be able to make some shifts, but if not, it's better maybe to think about moving on. So, um, you know, Jill is really, really advocates that getting there by yourself is a much better journey than having someone push you there. And it will be so much more positive for you if you take control. And you sort of learn about yourself when you're doing that kind of process, don't you? And that, and that makes you feel a little bit more confident. 
I think also to address the fact that, you know, if you are doing more than 50% at home um, and you have a partner and family around you, it's have a frank conversation, write it all down, have a schedule, apportion duties to people. And we, we had a very frank conversation uh, before we had our third and fourth children about how it was specifically going to work with what was happening home and what was happening in my job and my husband's job. You are your number one priority. And you need to say that to yourself. You also need to be very kind in your language around yourself. I hear so many women say, oh, well, it's because I can't deal with it anymore. It's because it's too stressful for me. I can't handle stress anymore. Actually, the situation may have become a lot more stressful <laughs> and you might have been handling brilliantly. And because people see you handling it well, they just give you more to do. So it might genuinely, as you say, be real that it's more stressful and it's not you not handling it. We always say the other things, don't we, Trish? Diet exercise. Yes. Sleep. Sleep is the root of it all, isn't it? Getting everything together so you get good sleep so you can make fresh decisions the next day. I hope that was helpful for everybody. Yes, we're going to put up the information, Jill's website, and also a link to that strengths test if you want to take a look at that. So we'll pop those on the Facebook as always. If you'd like to get in touch with Lorraine and I, there are plenty of ways that you can do it. Why not send us an email at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or direct message us at postcardsfrommidlife on Instagram. We always enjoy hearing from you, our lovely listeners, and we'll respond to as many of your queries as we can. And you can also join us on our private Facebook group, which is a forum for women to discuss the issues that affect us as we navigate this midlife. All you have to do to join is answer three of young Trisha's questions to gain access to the group, where you'll find information and friendly support to help you make the most of your second act. Nostalgia noodle. <laughs> Trish, we haven't had any French. We haven't had any French today from you. What's the matter? Oh, I'm not doing very well at the speaking. I'm doing very well at the listening, the reading, the understanding, the writing. The speaking, not so good. I've got to get get a bit better with that. You'll have to take a French lover. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> now there's an idea. There's a monster. <laughs> anyway, nostalgia noodle. We're noodling back because I was in John Lewis doing something very boring the other day, I expect. One of my uh, emotional labour things from the list. And uh, I was looking at the foot spas, Trish, and I thought, who has a foot spa anymore? <laughs> it, li- it looked so literal. Do you remember in the kind of 90s, everyone was buying their mum's, godmother's, yes, grandma's foot spas. And I was thinking, what are these people doing at home with their foot spas? And Obviously, I do think a jacuzzi is very uh, unhygienic, so I think a foot spa (laughs) would be even more. And you know I don't like people touching my feet or going anywhere near my feet. The thought of a foot spa horrifies me, but I did think back to the other things in retro spa world. What about that apricot scrub? (gasps) People were always having apricot scrubs. I know. Exactly. It's the weirdest thing. This will make you laugh. It's quite boring to begin with because it's one of Neil's technical stories. But he came in the other day and he said, oh, I'm having something um, stripped back, some bit of equipment, all the metal taking off. And I had to go to this place out near Heathrow. And uh, they do this really special kind of blasting using um, apricot kernels. And I said, 
Oh my God. Oh, maybe that's it then. They're strong. We used to strip our faces with this stuff and now they're using it to strip paint and metal. I mean, no wonder our skin is... (laughs) Oh dear. Generation X. Survivors. Well, we have come to the end of another fantastic episode. See, I'm using positive languages about about my career. There, feel good, Trish. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe to both our podcasts because it will drop into your inbox and also to our Substack mini magazine, Postcards from Lorraine and Trish. And we will see you next week. Au revoir. (laughs) Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection. Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.